This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Our long national nightmare is over, boys and girls. The Yankees, that's right, those Yankees have actually scored a run. And you know what? They got greedy. They scored two runs. Glaber Torres, there you go. Ba, 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 ba. Two-run jack to left field, Glaber. When was his last home run, Tom? How many games was that? 18 games, yes, said. 18 games for Glaber. But you know what? This one counts. They'll take it. So the Yanks have cut that deficit in half. It's 4-2. to two. Still a lot of baseball to play. They're only in the bottom of the six. They still got plenty of outs to work with. We'll see if they can scratch and claw their way all the way back. Scherzer, good news. They were able to get back out there uh, after the rain delay. So the Mets have a 4-1 to one lead in the bottom of the fourth. Scherzer's still dealing. He's only at 50 pitches. We'll see if um, you know maybe the pitch count's not going to go as high as it normally would because of that delay. We shall see. But the early home runs, Marte, Lindor, Brett Beatty, a two-run shot in his big league debut, first ever at bat, gives the Mets that cushion. We'll see if Scherzer can uh, do something with it and get through the five innings. Brian Snitker's been tossed from the game, the uh, brave skipper. There was a little bit of a questionable uh, strike call to end the third inning that uh, they didn't take too kindly to with Austin Riley. And then it carried over in between innings, and uh, Snitker came out and got tossed by the home plate umpire. So that's where we are with the baseball for the rest of the night. You know, real quick, before I get into the football stuff, I was talking about LeBron and the Lakers and so on and so forth. Did you see, and and, and God's honest truth, I saw this earlier today, and I had to actually check and make sure, like I took out my phone and I had to check and see what the date was because I thought it was April Fool's. And then I had to check and see if the account was verified or not, or if it was just like somebody like The Onion or something, you know, having a goof. But no, it was like the ESPN Sports Center official account, and they tweeted what the Lakers had posted a little while earlier in the fact that they are retiring the number this year of Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol helped them win a couple of championships. I get that, but... I I thought it was a joke. And case in point, you know how you know that it doesn't seem as legitimate as it should when you're talking about retiring some guy's number? Because when you think about retiring a player or an athlete's number, for whatever organization that it is, the number and his contribution should be special enough and stand out enough over the years to where you actually know what his number is. Like, I don't even know Pau Gasol's number. I couldn't even tell you. And remember, think about all of those playoff games and finals and whatnot that the Lakers played in all those years. With Gasol, I still cannot picture the number that he wore on the back of his jersey. And it was really cool the way ESPN like put the tweet out because they had a picture of Gasol And then right where his number, you would see it, they posted the tweet from the Lakers, which announced they were retiring his number. So that, to me, is a number one at the top of the list. When you're talking about whether or not a guy's number should be retired, if you don't know the guy's number, it really didn't stand out all that much, did it? But, I mean, it's like this is the Lakers we're talking about. When you go into the Staples Center, you're tripping over banners. Whether it's championship banners, retired numbers, you name it. But they're legitimate at least. I mean, if you start retiring the likes of a Pau Gasol, I mean, that's almost cheap like what the Yankees do. 
You know, they start retiring guys, and they've been doing this for years. I mean, there's no numbers left now. That's supposed to be like for the best of the best, the elite of the elite, the upper penthouse. Pal Gasol? I mean, so like what's the bar right now to get your number retired? You win a championship or you win a couple of championships? That shouldn't be it. A lot of guys win championships. A lot of guys wear rings. But this is the Lakers, though. I mean, it's not like I could see if Pal Gasol gets his number retired by the, the, the Grizzlies. Like, I, I was talking to Andrew Gunling, the producer of the K Show, before we came on. And he remarked on the tweet that I put out saying that, you know, I thought it was like April Fool's Day with, with Pal Gasol. And we were going back and forth about, you know, debating the, how legitimate it seemed that he was getting his number retired. And I was honest with him. I said, I, I, bottom line, there's like some of the days I think of Pau Gasol and the first thing that pops in my mind is Grizzlies, not even Lakers. And then I went and I looked it up. He spent the same amount of time with the Grizz that he did with the Lakers. The difference is he won championships with the Lakers. But remember, all those years with, with Memphis, he was like the best player on a so-so team. But he was still really good. And then he got that greater profile and that greater exposure by playing with Kobe, playing with the Lakers, going to the NBA Finals, more national TV. Remember, those Memphis teams didn't get on national TV at all. But we're retiring Paul Gasol's number? Really? Kobe. Magic. Wilt. Elgin, Kareem, Shaq, West, Worthy. Those are, you know, when you're thinking about immortals with the Lakers, those are the names, those guys, not Gasol, right? I mean, what what are we doing? You know, next thing you know, what are we going to do, retire Anthony Davis's number because he won a, a, a bubble championship a couple of years ago? Is there going to be Anthony Davis night pretty soon for the Lakers? Are they having a hard time selling tickets for next year? That's why they got to retire Pal Gasol's number? That makes no sense. I, I mean, I'm not sitting here expecting you guys to watch Pal Gasol and know his career inside and out, but when you think, I don't care what team you root for, any sport, not Pal Gasol. Sorry. I mean, that's just, it, it cheapens it. That's all it does more than anything. It cheapens the achievement. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Well, we talked about it last night. Joe Klecko is getting his just due, talking about achievements and honors and that sort of thing. Joe's going to the Hall of Fame in all probability. It's not official. You don't want to put the cart before the horse, but he was one of the three senior finalists from the Hall of Fame today. Ken Riley, the old Bengals safety, and Chuck Halley, the old Dallas Cowboy, who was a Super Bowl MVP, by the way. Those were the three finalists from the senior committee. So what happens now is that when the modern era committee meets, usually they do it later in the fall. I don't know if it's, I don't know. Last year they did it like a little earlier than usual, but maybe like COVID had something to do with that. It was virtual. But historically they meet the day before the Super Bowl. They all get in like the big ballroom at whatever hotel that they're staying in at the Super Bowl location, and they spend like hours and hours and hours in there debating, you know, who should get in, who shouldn't get in, and, and, and whatnot. But what happens is now these three senior candidates get pushed over to that committee, and they each have to get an 80% yes vote from the voters on the modern era committee. 
And historically, when that happens, they get the green light. They get the thumbs up. So basically, Joe Klecko, Ken Riley, Chuck Halley, they got one foot in the door in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame. It's a mere formality, and they're going to get the green light later in the year. So that's outstanding news. Guy deserves it. He's deserved it for a real long time. Overlooked. You know, we got into it last night, the couple of reasons why probably. You know, injuries played a factor, you know, in maybe curtailing some of his uh, productivity. You know, you also have to think in that, you know, sacks did not become an official statistic until 1982. 1981, Joe had 20 and a half sacks. 20 and a half. Right? I mean, he was defensive player of the year, first team all pro, all that stuff. That That's as good as it gets. And I think that when they were using all the, you know, a lot of these voters, unfortunately, you may think that they're all knowing and they're all powerful and they know each and every tidbit about a play. They don't. They don't. Boy, if I, I, I can expose some myths for you about maybe what you think is legitimate when it comes to different things and, you know, sports and, and, and the way things are ruled and viewed. And trust me, not everybody is all powerful. So they just go by the presenter. There's one guy who is, you know, part of the committee, and he sits there and he gives a dissertation about, you know, said candidate. And he runs down the laundry list of all his different things. But if you never saw him play and you don't know how good he was, you're just going off of his words, and then you're looking at the statistics and you're looking at the box score. So I could see where maybe Klecko's came up a little light for the reasons that I just outlined. Injuries, you know, Jets weren't necessarily powerhouses all those years. The sack numbers get lopped off before 1982, so on and so forth. But his contemporaries, the guy that he played up, the guys that he went up against, you know, on a, on a week-in, week-out basis, whatnot, they all swore by him. Hall of Fame offensive linemen have said for years he should be in the Hall of Fame. He was as tough a guy as we ever had to block. So I'm glad that he's going to get his recognition. Hopefully we get him on the show here over the next couple of nights, get his thoughts. I know that it means the world to him. And next summer could be a very, very fun night or fun day, fun weekend, whatever you want to call it, for Jet fans in Canton, Ohio for the Hall of Fame because not only are you going to get Klecko in all probability, there's a better than good chance that Darrell Revis is going to be in the Hall of Fame next year because he is a first-time eligible nominee for the class of 2023. So that could even mean that the NFL puts the Jets in that Hall of Fame game. One extra game on the preseason docket for him because they generally schedule it. and they, they put one of the teams, if you have like a Hall of Fame you know, player that played for you who's being inducted that weekend. So if you get Klecko and Revis next year, two Jets, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be playing in that Hall of Fame game next year to kick off the season in Canton, Ohio. But that's another story for another time. Get it. That's great. But many, many congratulations to Joe. And I look forward to seeing him uh, hopefully at the stadium for one of our games and uh, hopping on the pregame show with Greg Buttle and myself for one of the broadcasts. It's always good to see Joe, and uh, he's doing a lot better too, which is good. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. One baseball franchise in particular making news this week, staying busy, but not for all the right reasons. And could that have implications for one of the two local baseball teams? I'll tell you what I'm talking about when we come back. And also, a former member of one of the area baseball teams sure is doing his darndest to avoid them. 
in the worst possible way. Coincidence? We'll talk about it. Dan Grasso with you till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We got to see what kind of budget we have in this show because, like, if we're going to play this, and this is, of course, the sad guest music when there's a rain delay for the Yankees because it's raining, but we got to get, like, a real sax player. Like, so we don't have to play this. Like, we need to hire in studio, get a saxophone, really get that authentic, genuine feel. And you know what? We'll, we'll have him show up every day. And well, he could just sit there in the corner. Maybe occasionally we'll have him, you know, play us in and out of break or whatever. But on the nights where there's a, a better than good chance of rain, like, he, he could be ready to go. Because at any given moment, he's going to be needed. But that won't be the worst thing in the world. You know, a little live music we incorporate into the program. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be taking this show on the road. We're going to be live doing different places. So, hey, the possibilities are endless. Endless as we get this thing cooking, certainly into the fall and the football season and having some fun. 800-919-3776, Dan Grass's show, right here on 98.7 ESPN. But, yes, it is raining in New York. Um, in the seventh inning, top of the seventh, Rays have a 4-2 lead on the Yanks, and the Rays got two men on base with one out. So maybe this interruption is actually good for the Yankees. Maybe halt a little bit of that momentum that the, um, the Rays have there offensively. Mets still in good shape right now. 4-1 lead over the Braves in the fifth. Scherzer still dealing. I mentioned before that there's one team that has been in the news this week in Major League Baseball more so than any others. And it's only Wednesday, so think about it. Three days, right? And they have been probably the lead story in two of the three nationally in Major League Baseball, and that's the Texas Rangers. On Monday, they fired their skipper, Chris Woodward, former Met as a player, and he was in his fourth year at the helm and just couldn't get this thing going, so they fired Chris Woodward. He was the fourth manager in baseball to get fired this year. Oddly enough, earlier this afternoon... Texas puts out a release saying that they parted ways with the president of baseball operations, John Daniels. So let me get this straight. John Daniels okayed the firing of the manager on Monday, which ownership, of course, signed off on. And then two days later, he got fired. So when I'm trying to connect the dots and put this whole thing together, what it tells me is that Chris Young, remember Chris Young? He was a Met pitcher. He was like six foot ten, went to Princeton. That Chris Young, he was hired as the GM of the Rangers a couple of years ago to work under John Daniels, who was president of baseball ops. So now the manager's gone, Daniels is gone. Chris Young almost has this like Palpatine type rise through the Rangers organization to where now he is the Sith Lord. Not that he's a bad guy or he practices the ways of the Sith or anything like that, but he's the one in charge. So think about that. Imagine getting hired and then inadvertently you end up getting your boss ousted and then you become the boss. Smooth maneuvering from Chris Young. Kidding. He had nothing to do with it, though. But went to Princeton, smart guy, and now he's going to be the one entrusted to get the Rangers ship righted. Why did I say that it has implications potentially for one of the New York teams? Well, here's why. John Daniels, if you know anything about it, and by the way, John Daniels, when he was running the Texas Rangers, he'd been there a long time. He was the general manager since 05. 
And then they elevated him to president of baseball ops in 2013. John Daniels oversaw probably the most successful era in the history of the Texas Rangers. Remember, they went to -to back-to-back World Series in 2010 and 2011. 2011, they were an out away from winning the damn thing. Except David Freeze of the Cardinals had other plans. And probably Ron Washington should have taken Nelson Cruz out of the game and gotten him out of right field and gotten more of a sure hand out there, which contributed to problems. But back-to-back World Series, couple of division titles also in 15 and 16, but six straight losing seasons. Ownership goes out there and spends over $500 million on two players this past offseason. They're not winning. There's going to be answers to pay. And unfortunately, it was John Daniels and it was the manager, Chris Woodward. But John Daniels, for those that may not know, John Daniels grew up in Queens, New York. John Daniels grew up a Met fan. The Mets have actually nosed around over the last couple of years. Remember they were trying to get David Stearns from the Milwaukee Brewers, their general manager, or now president of baseball ops. I think he got a promotion too. Same thing, David Stearns from Queens, Met fan. But they wouldn't get him out of the deal. They couldn't get him out of his contract. So they hired Billy Epler. But before they went down the David Stearns road, John Daniels was like first on the list because John Daniels certainly has a little bit more of a resume. He's been doing this longer. But it was a very quick like thanks but no thanks. It wasn't going to happen. But now that John Daniels is available, and I'm not sitting here saying that Billy Epler has done a bad job or that, you know, Sandy Alderson is the president of the team, but is he really like in charge day in and day out on baseball decisions and baseball operations? The answer is no. Epler has free reign. He's doing what he wants. Sandy is kind of like dealing with business matters in the organization. You know, all the behind the scenes stuff. Like if they need more printer paper in the copy room, like Sandy goes on, you know, uh, WBMason.com and he orders like a few reams of paper, right? If they need like more coffee creamer for the kitchen, he makes sure that the cabinets are always stocked. He's just, you know, he's like the office manager with a nice title and he gets a big paycheck. But is Billy Epler's job secure? Like is he here for, for like forever and ever and ever? I mean, he's done a good job, don't get me wrong, team's in first place. But you mean to tell me that John Daniels, who is free, and I don't know what he wants to do. I'm sure he's made a boatload of cash running a baseball team for the last decade and a half. You know, he may not have to work another day in his life. I'm sure he wants to, but he might want to take some time off. And I don't know what his contract is with the Texas Rangers. Like, I don't think his contract was up at the end of the season, which means he's still going to be getting paid by Texas after this year. He might decide to step away, take a year off, Maybe he'll get one of these cushy jobs working for Major League Baseball, which a lot of these guys do. But think about that for a second. If John Daniels is available, maybe the Mets and Steve Cohen come calling in the offseason. Hey, John, without an H, you thinking about maybe wanting to come back home and have that title of president of baseball operations for the team you grew up rooting for? Yes or no? I mean, that's appealing, is it not? So Mets might have some front office change in the offseason. Just saying. Now, who's the former player that seems to be avoiding one of our local teams? Well, that's also the Mets. And that's also Noah Syndergaard. And there's some people that are actually, like, defending him and whatnot. But, I I mean, 
How many more times does this have to happen before we stop saying it's a coincidence and that there's really something fishy behind this, right? Because Noah Syndergaard earlier this year when the Mets went out to Anaheim to play the Angels. Remember when they had the West Coast trip and that was when Noah was still a member of the Halos. Well, he was supposed to pitch against the Mets that series, the way everything was lining up. And then Syndergaard... You know, I, I forget whatever BS excuse they used. Oh, well, you know, he needs another day. They're going to give him an extra day rest, blah, blah, blah. Conveniently enough, that was when the Mets were already out of town and he wouldn't have to face the Mets. So fast forward, Syndergaard gets traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. And after the Mets are done with the Atlanta Braves, guess who they're going to be playing next? That's right, the Philadelphia Phillies. And guess who was slotted to pitch against the Mets in that series coming up over the next couple of days? That's right, Noah Syndergaard. But Philadelphia announced today that they're going to give Noah Syndergaard an extra day to rest. So Noah, instead of facing the Mets this weekend in a four-game series, think about that, four games, Saturday's a doubleheader. So they can use all the pitching help they could get in what is a very important series for Philadelphia, more important for Philly than it is the Mets. But Noah's going to be like, nah, it's all right, I'll take another day. And so Noah gets to face the big, bad Cincinnati Reds on Monday when the Mets leave town. A Reds team that doesn't feature, you know, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Tony Perez, Ken Griffey Sr., you name it. Not even Joey freaking Votto, who's having rotator cuff surgery. He's not even going to be there, even though Votto's a show, the player he used to be. But, I mean, you know, seriously, like, when do we sit here and call a spade a spade? Like, there's some people coming to Syndergaard's defense and say, oh, well, you know, he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery. They're being extra careful with him. Okay, once but twice on opposite coasts with two different franchises in the same year, and ironically enough, the Mets are the opponent both times where he needs an extra day of rest. Come on. See, Noah's always was a dude who was great talking a big game. He was great with the Twitter fingers and all those things, picking fights and acting tough. And people were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we threw up and in on Alcides Escobar in the first pitch of the World Series in 2015. Okay, that's great. That was seven years ago. That was when he still thought that he was Thor and then he was indestructible. But basically, four nondescript seasons consecutively, all that stuff goes out the window. He's more like the heavy, out-of-shape Thor that we saw in the last of the Avengers movies who's a shell of his former self. Give me a break. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Hey, when we come back, sometimes you build up equity in sports to where you think you can maybe say things and get away with things that maybe the average guy can't. Well, that happened a couple of days ago in the NFL involving a pretty prominent player. We'll share that with you. And also, we're not all fans of instant replay, are we, when it comes to Major League Baseball? And sometimes it's more often bad than good. And sometimes it's it's a detriment, more so than even getting the calls right. Did you see what happened in Cleveland last night? Well, we'll tell you. And we'll also tell you what one of the players had to say about it. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Football season's here. Can't wait. Uh, for this thing to get going for real. And I, I, I guess you could say that there was drama a little bit this offseason with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, but maybe not to the extent of last year because last year we didn't know if he was going to play. 
right? He was off. He was out of sight, out of mind, and all those things. Would he? Won't he? I'm going to retire. I'm not going to retire. He was off in Hawaii. He was doing whatever the hell he was doing. Now he's going to Peru and the ayahuasca, and but he's committed to the team, and he got his money. You knew it was a money ploy more than anything else. He got paid. He got rewarded, as he should. You know, how many MVPs does this guy win? He's a two-time defending MVP. But his team is going to have a little bit of a different look. And remember, when the Packers decided to pay him a couple of years ago there and give him the extension, which I can't blame them, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's more valuable than anything else. But besides the point, you'd have to make sacrifices, right? I mean, that's the beauty or the curse, depending on how you want to look at it, of having a salary cap sport like the NFL. And if you have a quarterback who's really, really good, and eats up a nice chunk of the cap, you're not going to be able to pay everybody. And so one of the casualties was Devontae Adams. His favorite target, arguably one of the best wide receivers in all the National Football League. And him and Aaron Rodgers had a nice rapport. They made each other better, I thought. And that's why I'm a little cool on Devontae Adams and what he's going to do out there in Vegas. Even though he knows Derek Carr, even though they're buddies from Fresno State and they have a relationship and all those things, if you expect Devontae Adams to put up the same numbers that he did when Aaron Rodgers was thrown in the ball, guess again. I don't think he's going to be a bust, but guess again. So anyway, new stable of receivers that Rodgers is throwing to. You know, Sammy Watkins, who's on his last legs, if you ask me, and who's been well-traveled over the last few years. Randall Cobb, another guy who ain't getting any younger, but he's a favorite of Aaron Rodgers. You know, you got Alan Lazard, who they're familiar with. But then they drafted a couple of guys, like Christian Watson, who, you know, was injured during the offseason, missed a lot of the offseason workouts. Watson from North Dakota State, he was really, really good this year down at the Senior Bowl when um, the Jet coaches were down there coaching up those guys. He's got some promise. And you know what? If you got a quarterback like Rodgers, I'm willing to roll the dice on these wide receiver prospects because I'm a big believer that the great quarterback can make a medium, I don't want to say mediocre, too strong, can make a potentially good receiver a great receiver. And I think that that's what the Packers are hoping for with somebody like Christian Watson. And there's other guys too. A lot of, bun- a lot of rookies, late round picks, you know, undrafted free agents, those type of guys. So Rodgers now is trying to build some rapport, build some chemistry with these dudes. And he's realizing that, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. And that it's been a struggle. And things aren't necessarily clicking to the extent that they did when, oh, yeah, he had somebody like Devontae Adams still with him. So when he met the media after practice yesterday, he really didn't pull any punches. Take a listen to the Packer quarterback. Uh, you know, I didn't think we ran the ball very well, especially outside zone. Uh, thought we were pretty, pretty good. Had some opportunities. A lot of mental errors, a lot of pre-snap penalties. So, kind of in the theme of camp. Simple, simple plays. We're messing up. So it's good to do it against another team. Um, I like the energy from the first, first unit, but a lot of mental mistakes. Aaron, what, what does that become a concern that it might carry over to the start of the season? I mean, it's good. It's good we do it in practice. So, it's. Unfortunately, some of the same guys. That, that's, you know, repeat mistakes are a problem. So we just got to clean those things up a little bit. The young guys, you know, they got to, especially young receivers, we got to be way more consistent. You know, a lot of, a lot of drops, a lot of, uh, you know, bad route decisions, 
run the wrong route. So we gotta we gotta get better in that area. But I felt like the line for the most part held up pretty good, which was which was good to see. Now, for the record, counsel, I have zero problem with what he just said. And you shouldn't either. But sports are different now in 2022 because, God forbid, if you have someone who is perceived as a quote-unquote team leader like Aaron Rodgers go out there and publicly undress some of his teammates, and in this case, the other members on the offense, the young wide receivers, and say that they had too many drops and they played terribly and so on and so forth, that he would be crucified. But he's Aaron Rodgers. He's allowed to say that. Just because maybe Peyton Manning never said that or Tom Brady never said that or Patrick Mahomes never said it doesn't mean he can't because he's built up the equity. You know, this guy's got MVP awards. This guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's trying to make these guys better because he realizes that the quicker those other guys get caught up to speed, his chances of success are even greater. And that's all he's getting out of it here. But, I, I, I mean, you got to be kidding me that some people were actually, like, taking Aaron Rodgers to task over the fact that, oh, he's being too hard on the young players. He's being too hard on them. You know, that's not good for their confidence. Well, because, you know, that's how our society is nowadays. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Rose calling from Duchess, up next here on the Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Rose, how are you? How you doing? What's up, Ro? Yeah, I just wanted to comment on Rodgers. Um, I, I think uh, he won't be that good this year. Receivers make him. He, he, they, they say he's a good uh, uh, quarterback, but I haven't seen it. I mean, because the division he plays in, there's nothing. He gets to the playoffs, he loses. Tom Brady, they say Tom Brady had a weak division. He gets to the playoffs, he wins. All right, it's a difference. Dante Adams is going to have a great year, all right? Aaron Rodgers is disrespecting the young receivers because he knows he's preference his stuff now because he knows when the season starts he can blame them, not him. That's, so that's my so, take so, on that. So what you're saying? So what you're saying? Let me just get this straight. So what you're saying is that Aaron Rodgers is not even that good, and that he's a byproduct of the fact that he plays in a weak division. It shows when he gets to the playoffs. Okay. He doesn't beat anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't beat won in how long? So okay, so, so I'm just I'm just trying to understand what you're saying. I'm trying to I'm trying to jump over to your side of the argument here. So what you're saying is his he division's should, he, bad. His division's bad. He plays six games against the teams in his division during the season. So now he plays eleven other games against other opponents. Right. How did he win the last two MVP awards playing those other eleven games? They gave it to him. But see, but see, here's how the thing: they don't just give out MVP awards like they give out fabric softener samples. You know, they they okay. you have to earn an MVP. You know what I mean? Like you have okay. to go out there and earn it on the field. He didn't earn it. What do you do in the playoffs? You keep coming back to the playoffs. Guess what? That's one game. If the MVPs are a regular season award. And that is not okay. the true determining factor as to who's good, who's bad. I mean, let me ask you a question, Ro. Are you old enough to remember Dan Marino as a quarterback? Yes, sir. Okay, how many Super Bowls did Dan Marino go to? Uh, one, I believe. He went to one. Is Dan Marino an all-time great quarterback? Actually, he's the best quarterback that ever played the game. 
Wait, wait, wait. Dan Marino's the best quarterback who ever played the game, but what did he do in the playoffs? He only went to one Super Bowl. How could that be? I understand that. I understand but how could that, that be? I understand this. Can I say one more thing? Sure. You can name, he had Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. I want you to name a, a, a running back that had more than 1,000 yards with him. You go tell me. No, but, 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 Roe, here's my question to you. No, no, he had nobody, and he still put up 30. He's the only guy. Roe, 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 answer me this question. How could Dan Marino be the best quarterback you've ever seen if he didn't win in the playoffs consistently? How? They never never put nobody around. He had two receivers, and he scored 37 points a game. But but then – He beat Chicago – Think but if you're it. making excuses, but Rope, here's, here's the thing, Rope, if you're making excuses for Dan Marino, then why don't you give Aaron Rodgers a break? Because it has to be perfect for Aaron Rodgers, my man. But what? That's but, what I'm that to doesn't, say. Bro, that doesn't make any sense. Thank you for the phone call. Thank. I, I love you. I love you. But we're not getting anywhere here. I mean, like you can't. <laughs> I mean, oh, and look. Marino ripped my heart out about 900 times growing up. 900 times. I remember to this day, like it happened two days ago, the feeling of leaving Giant Stadium after that fake spike game in 1994. Getting in that car and driving home with my family, dead silence. Dead silence. And that wasn't the only time he did it. And Dan Marino, by the way, is great. I, 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 I've had fights with people on the air over the years about Marino because, you know, the 10-year-olds who, you know, just go on the Internet and they look and see results and so on and so forth, if they didn't watch him play, they, they'd go, oh, Marino can't be any good. He never won a Super Bowl. He only went to one because they get too carried away with championships. And, look, I don't want to pick on the damn guy. I don't because I like him personally. I think he's a good player, and I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. If you had one quarterback to pick for the upcoming season at their best to win the game for your life, you're taking Marino or you're taking Eli Manning? I mean, come on. Eli Manning isn't a pimple on Dan Marino's fanny as a quarterback. That guy is top six. Yeah, I'll just throw I'll throw six out there. Top six all time, and he doesn't have one damn Super Bowl to show for it. That's how great he was. And Roe was right. Like, Roe was getting somewhere. Do you realize that the only Hall of Famer that Dan Marino ever played with in his career was his freaking center in Dwight Stevenson? And he only had him for, like, the first five or six years of his career. Nobody's skilled position-wise. Defenses were always suspect. Doesn't mean he ain't great. And with Aaron Rodgers, I, I mean, we get way too consumed with the playoffs and what they do in the playoffs. And your career, 90% of it is what you do in the regular season. That's going to be your sample. You play 16, now 17 games in the regular season. You may or may not get a playoff game, which will be one, two, maybe three tops. 17 versus three. Overwhelming majority of how you're remembered is what you do in the regular season. Aaron Rodgers has four MVP awards. One, two, three, four. There's only one guy who has ever played in the history of the NFL that has won more than him, and that's Peyton Manning. Rodgers is great. And I don't care what fan you are of what team. All right, maybe with the exception of Kansas City, 
and maybe Tampa Bay. But I don't even know about Tampa Bay because Tom Brady could retire tomorrow as Starling Marte just hits his second home run of the night. Anybody would love to have Aaron Rodgers. You know how you know Aaron Rodgers is so good? Because probably 99% of the teams, if he was their quarterback, would have said the hell with you. If any other quarterback or any other player pulled the crap that he did a couple of years ago during the offseason, fire the GM or get rid of me, get this guy, get that guy, and play in the whole song and dance game. But when you're that good, when you're that talented, you put up with it. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Matt and Queens is up next here on the Grosser Show. Matt, how are you? Good. Listen, Dan, my friend. Yes, sir. Um, I'm a Jet fan. I'm not a Giant fan. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning is, is, is not – you can't describe the guy as not even being a pimple on Dan Marino's butt. The oh. guy has two MVPs. And I'll tell you one more thing as a Jets fan. If you tell me you're going to give me a quarterback that's as good as Eli Manning, please, please give me that guy. I want him on my team. Matt, Come on, man. Matt, Matt, you're a Jet fan, and, I, and, and God bless you, seriously. And maybe that was a little harsh on Eli, but I'm sorry. There's, I mean, universally, there's people that don't even give you a consensus that they think Eli should even go to the Hall of Fame. But he's going to, and I'm one of the people who thinks he should. But if you're talking about, like, just in the laboratory as quarterbacks, one-on-one, what Eli's skill set is and what Dan Marino's skill set was, I mean, Dan Marino's one of the top five probably of all time. Eli Manning ain't even close to that. Not even close. You mean, how about this? If Dan Marino was the giant quarterback on those teams, you mean to tell me that they wouldn't win the Super Bowl and maybe even have better regular seasons and be in even a better position to succeed? We lost Matt. It's unfortunate. We lost him. You know, I tee up a reply opportunity, and they're not even there. Look, I'm not knocking Eli. But, you know, how about this? 2004, that quarterback class with Eli, with Ben, and with Phillip Rivers. Let's go back and look at their career since they're all over. Like, if we had to, to – who had the best career out of the three? Ben Roethlisberger. That, that, that can't be disputed. Any way you want to measure it. Championships, even. They both won two. Statistically, individual merits, Ben Roethlisberger. Right? Phillip Rivers, if you even just want to go by statistics, like individual, he probably had the best career out of the three. But they never won anything in the playoffs. So if, he, if, if Eli doesn't necessarily stand out even from those three guys that were in his own quarterback class in 2004, you're going to sit here and compare him to one of the greats of all time in Dan Marino? Eli would tell you. If Matt from Queens was talking to Eli and said the same exact thing to him about Dan Marino, Eli would laugh him out of the room. Do we need to bring up Elway? I mean, you know what? Elway's <laughs> right there. Elway's, you say the same thing about Elway, too. You know, Tom Brady is the GOAT and all these things, and he won all the championships and big games, and I I get that. But just in terms of physical ability as a quarterback, he's not the most talented quarterback of all time. He's not even the most talented quarterback playing today. And I know that he's 45, and maybe that's not fair, but at their peaks, Aaron Rodgers is a more physically gifted quarterback than Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes. 
more physically gifted quarterback than Tom Brady. But sometimes being the most physically gifted doesn't necessarily translate into you being the best. There's other circumstances that go into it. But look, Eli doesn't have anything to apologize for in his career. He's an all-time great. He, he's, 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 you know, for the Giants, he's, an all, he's the best quarterback in the history of the Giants. How about that? That's what Eli is. And I think the world of Phil Simms. Phil Simms got a raw deal for a lot of years. A lot of years. But then they finally started to respect him a little bit. Eli's the best quarterback the Giants have ever had. But I don't think that Eli is an all-time great quarterback, like when you're talking about, like, NFL lore. I mean, he's not his brother. He's not a lot of guys. You know what you guys need to do? Like, anybody that, that disagrees, you know, spend the rest of the night, spend all day tomorrow, and, and go down a YouTube rabbit hole and just go watch some of Dan Marino if you didn't see him play in his peak years. Remember, in 1984, he reset the record book and threw for over 5,000 yards during a time in the NFL where defenders were actually able to play defense. When you can mug the quarterback and you didn't get a personal foul penalty when you sneezed on him or when you breathed on him, defensive backs were actually able to cover wide receivers and put their hands on him, which means the passing game was even that much more difficult for a quarterback. He still went out there and threw for over 5,000 yards. Today, that would probably be close to 6,500 or 7,000 with how wide open the game is.